All right, another, well, another brief announcement is I've been announcing that uh, the new prayer guides for the covering over Philadelphia have have been released. So we've been um, inviting you guys to take one of these. If you still have not, our our slot is the 16th, and there's wonderful things in there on on some key prayer points. Some of that we uh, we pray over uh, Bristol and over Philadelphia on Wednesdays. Uh, This Wednesday, we'll be back uh, with Dana and Jose, right? You guys are in town. Uh, to rock and roll with, with our prayer and worship. And I think, what, the next following Wednesday would be the... Um, what's the official name of that? Is there like an official name? Heart of David Night? Is that the, like the official, official name? Okay. So that, that, that night, we're just really uh, trying to partner with um, some of the local ministries that come on out and, uh, and partake. Getting a little weirded out. I got three ex students here from high school. So, so if you're dozing off, detention, okay? Retroactive. It's a blessing, but it's also like, what's going on? Don't tell them what I talk about in the classroom, okay? Jonathan, don't worry. This part's not on. on I'm going to be on the internet. How's econ going so far? What's that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Jonathan, I know I'm no longer teaching Jonathan because it was a semester-based class. So he's uh, now moved on to someone else. Um, so, all right. Whew. Lord, we just come before you and we just thank you and honor you and <clears throat> what you're doing in this place. That you're breathing life, your breath of life. Thank you that you're doing something new and powerful and alive in our midst. Lord, we just pray for your spirit to continue to be here. And for our hearts and minds to be made ready. Receive of your word. Amen? Amen. So I made the, uh, <clears throat> the bad mistake of popping in a cough drop right before speaking. So I'm going to do the old crack, Okay. That's what happens when you scream too loud at worship last night. It was so loud. Like, I actually had to, like, move back. I was trying to get Naomi and be like, you might be a little too close to the speaker. She's like, no. So I'm like, I'm, like, screaming out in worship. I'm like, I'm sure you guys know how that is. All right, so today we're going to teach on a principle, uh, which is, you know, who is your tribe? Have you guys ever seen that movie up there? Yeah, someone around my age, a little, yeah, yeah, you know that, my age or, or older, you know, the old Breakfast Club, right? 80s movie? No? Maybe your parents didn't let you watch it. That might be it. Yeah, it's like a, a, uh, it's a, it's like a cult classic in the 80s of like high school life and like each, each kid that's represented there like represents a different clique or subculture. Of, of the time period and they all get a detention on a Saturday and like you got the jock, you got the bad boy, you got the valley girl, got the nerd and I guess the best way you can put it back, I guess Allie and I who have actually went to junior high together, I guess in the 90s a girl on the bottom we would call them like the emo girl, like all emotional. Yeah, the emo, that was, that was a big thing in the 90s, emo and goth. <laughs> Whatever the case may be, there's a principle here and the principle here is, uh, is, is, is which tribe are you part of? Very, very important uh, concept because 
when we, when we, we get lost and we don't know who we belong to, or we're belonging to the wrong group of people, there's going to be some problems. Because uh, the people that you surround yourself with are, are going to uh, help define you. And this is not just some kind of like, uh, you know, cheesy life <clears throat> self-help thing. This is actually a biblical principle. Uh, and we see it actually um, in, in the tribes of Israel. So if we open up to uh, Genesis um, chapter 49. I'm actually just going to read the first verse and then I'm going to paraphrase like the chapter uh, about the different tribes. So this is when uh, Jacob, uh, the father of the 12 tribes, is on his uh, deathbed. And uh, a beautiful thing happens. He, he goes to his sons and he makes sure that he uh, blesses his sons. And it says here, And Jacob called his sons and said, Gather together that I may tell you what shall befall you in the last days. So this is like a prophecy of what's going to happen to the 12 tribes of Israel in the end of days. Um, and so he, he talks about their, their, their a blessing upon them and also attributes. And I'm just going to read through those attributes. He says, Reuben, you are my firstborn. Simeon, you are the brother of Levi. To Levi, he says, you are the priests. To Judah, he says, you are the one who the brothers will praise. Zebulon, you are the master of the seas and the ships, and you shall live on the coast. Issachar, the strong donkey who can bear burdens. Dan, a tribe of judges. Gad, you are the warrior. Asher, you are one who bears wealth. Naphtali, my personal favorite, you are a poet who wanders the wilderness. And then the half-tribes, Ephraim and Manasseh. You are strong-armed men who are archers. And Benjamin, Benjamin, the son of the right hand, you are a wolf, a strong hunter. So we have the 12 sons, who are the 12 tribes of Israel. And their descendants are going to live amongst the tribes. And we have a principle here of, I don't want to call it tribalism per se, but a strong inclination by mankind to belong. Everyone wants to belong. They want to belong to a people. They want to belong to a group of people. There's a certain identity that is connected with it. And the reality here is it's a biblical mandate, actually. It's a biblical thing. For example, you have Adam and you have Eve. You have Elijah and you have Elisha. You have Barnabas and Paul. You have Paul and Timothy. I mean, Psalm 133. How good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. So there, there's this biblical principle of people being gathered together in unity and being a part, for lack of a better word, being a part of a tribe. Uh, this is kind of funny, you know, because you know I, I teach teenagers, and and so one of the things which is probably you know, in another you know eight years I'll be seeing it with my own kids. But some of you that have teenagers, you're gonna you start to see something happen. And psychologists are actually saying it's 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 a biological function, and what it is is your teenager starts to starts to seek out friends, right? 
I mean, but in a, in a, greater, in a greater measure. And they, and they even begin to identify themselves a part of a group or, you know, the jock, the nerd, the this, or whatever you want to group, you want to call them, right? They begin to identify with, with in addition to your family. Psychologists say this is actually a, a principle that's built into our DNA that, that it begins to cause children to begin to, to want to go out from their family and eventually start their own tribe. Right? They're, they're beginning to say, all right, mom and dad, I'm, I'm going to start to also be with, with family, or rather not family, with, with friendships and friends. Uh, this is probably, you know, Lord knows my heart, that's why he gave me three girls, but if you have sons, I mean, this is, this is a principle that didn't go too well when, when I talked to my mother about this, but um, sons have a really pr- particular predicament, biblically speaking. Uh, in Genesis chapter 2, 24, it says, a man leaves his mother and father and clings to his wife. I don't, I don't know if you want to necessarily raise your hands because I don't want to get you guys in trouble. But think about your family relationships and think about if the husband is more, is more gravitating towards the mother's side of the family or is the daughter-in-law gravitating towards the father's son of the family. Maybe it's 50-50 split. That's cool. Sometimes it's not a 50-50 split. But I'm telling you this right now. The Lord has made men and women uh, different in many regards. We have a principle here. I'm not saying it's bad if the woman now clings to the husband's side of the family. I'm not saying it's bad, but there seems to be a principle that seems to actually be activated uh, where men have a tendency to cling to the wife who's going to be clinging to probably her side of the family a little bit more. Obviously, there's so many dynamics, right? I mean, one side of the family is saved, the other side is not saved. I mean, there's all of that, but there's a principle that's there. <clears throat> and so it seems to be something that is, is built inside of us, obviously. Historians, anthropologists say that tribes uh, emerged thousands of years ago. And there were three reasons why tribes were created. It's like really bizarre if you think about like, you have a family. Like, why are you seeking out people outside of your family? You got a family, you got a family, why do you need tribes? So anthropologists say this, the reason why mankind began to seek out tribes for three reasons. Very important reasons which we can bring some spiritual principles into. And that is this. One, for survival. You think about primitive man, right? He's out in the wilderness, like there's animals out there and there are enemies out there, right? You bind together with people to survive, for safety. Which actually leads us to the second one, not not just survival, but protection. And the third thing is growth. So, survival, protection, growth. So, this is the question. To which tribe do you belong? I want you to actually take, I want to wait like 20, 30 seconds. I want you inside yourself, not to your wife, not to your spouse, not to your friend, not to a brother or sister next to you. I want you to just think about like, how would you define the tribe that you belong to? The people that you associate with. Give them a name. All right, just hold on to that and see what the Lord does with that. So, a principle. It has been said that you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. 
Think about the five people that you spend the most amount of time with, and it has been said by business leaders that you will become a cumulative average of those people. Within five years, actually. That's a, that's, that's a, that can be a very scary thing if you're hanging out with the wrong tribe. But if you're hanging out with the right tribe, man, it's going to be awesome. I mean, just look at this room. If you could handpick five people that you would like to become a cumulative average of in this room alone, just this room, think about the type of person that you could be maybe molded into. It's a very powerful principle. Uh, now that Jim Rowan is like some like 1980s business guy, uh, you know, people you my age, this guy's uh, he's got like the, the most downloaded podcast. Uh, on the podcast uh, world. His name is Tim Ferriss. He extends this and kind of updates it for the 21st century. He says this, but you are the average of the five people you associate with, mo with most, so do not underestimate the effects of your pessimistic, unambitious, or disorganized friends. If someone isn't making you stronger, they're making you weaker. Yeah, very well. Very well is. And so, hey, we're, we're, you know, what kind of tribe are you a part of? <clears throat> are you a part of a pessimistic tribe or an optimistic tribe? When things get hairy, when things get bad, do you listen to the pessimism and the defeatist attitude? If you're hanging around people like that, you're going to become that? Or are you hanging out with a tribe of people that are optimistic? And saying, I know what the Lord has called me to. I know the promises of the Lord, that they are yes and amen. Are you around and do you hang out with people, I'm just going to call it what it is, lazy? Do you hang out with people who sit on the couch and play video games all the time and watch TV all the time? If you do that, you will become them. Or do you hang out with people that are energetic, that have a spice to their life, who wake up in the day like, man, carpe diem, seize the day, YOLO, you only live once, right? As the millennials and younger like to say, YOLO, right? I mean, what kind of, seriously, it has, it's dramatic, dramatic, dramatic importance. I mean, it's so important. I see it in, in high school. In ninth grade, as a freshman, I can tell you where that kid's going to end up their senior year. Absolutely. 100%. All I can say is, all right, that kid's a part of this group. He's going to become that. This kid's going to go there. And, like, it's, it's pretty spot on. I mean, it's so powerful. You'd be like, oh, he hangs out with the C students. He's probably going to be a C student. Hangs out with the A students. He's probably going to be an A student. It is so powerful. I mean, within the first month, I hope my school district is not listening to this, but within the first month, I could be like, within, like, two percentage points of, like, that kid's going to get an 87. That kid's going to get, like, a 93. For the year, you can actually, I mean, you can see it because it's so powerful, the tribe that you're a part of. You, you take on the identity of that tribe. Are you part of a tribe of a poverty mindset? Right? We were breaking up today in worship. Or are you a part of a tribe that says, nah, I'm not, I'm not poor. I'm a son and daughter of the most high God. Are you part of the arrogant tribe or the humble tribe? The weak-minded tribe or the steadfast tribe? One who walks in defeat or one who walks in victorious. You have to be very, very mindful who you run with. You have to be very, very, very mindful of who you surround yourself with. It is so powerful. And here's the unfortunate reality, ladies. I'm just going to tell you right now. 
Most men cannot name two men that they spend time with. It's not a laughing matter. It's destructive. It is absolutely destructive and demonic. You isolate someone, you isolate them from the tribe, from the pack, and then the enemy... Most men cannot tell you one or two guys that they spend decent and adequate time with. We actually see this biologically. It's something very weird. As men get older, they become less social. And when women get older, they hold on to their social instinct. It has something to do with the way that the Lord has built us. But it's dangerous as heck. There's a lot of reasons. When you work 80 hours a week to put food on the table for your family, you're probably not going to have too much time to hang out with the bros. Right? When you have to cut the lawn, you have to do all these things, right? It's, it's hard to do in this crazy lifestyle. In this culture, it's insane, right? So this is very important for, for, for all of us, but particularly men. Like, you, you got you to gotta be around other men. And the right men. Not the guys at work who are talking about like the highlight of their discussion is the the football game. Nothing against football per se. Baseball's better, but we won't go there. (laughs) Gentleman's game. All right, so why I need for a tribe, I I, I talked about survival, protection, and growth. The loner. What happens when you're not a part of the tribe? Male or female child, doesn't matter. If you're a loner, what's going to happen here is this. You're alone, there's no protection, and you're not going to survive. If you're part of a bad tribe, there's no growth, and then you're not going to survive. Um, if you are a part of a right tribe, you're going to grow. You're going to be protected. You're going to survive. You're not going to survive. You're going to be victorious. This is the purpose of the tribe. The very purpose of the tribe is to bring forth an identity, a growth, a protection, or the opposite. It's a silly example, and and I I don't want to. Jose's not here, so I don't. You know, I don't want to. He'd probably like go for it. I don't know. Sorry, Jose, if you're listening to this, I love you, and that's why you're in the sermon. Like, I, you know, it's so cool to run with a brother-in-law. It's so cool to run with a friend and a brother in the Lord. But I remember, like, um, we were, just a couple weeks ago, it was like 20 degrees. It was a little snow. They actually gave us, like, a three-hour delay the next day because of the cold, right, for school. And Jose and I are like, let's go for a run. So we're going for a run. I'm not kidding. 10 o'clock at night in the woods. It's like 15, 20 degrees, and it's starting to snow and ice and stuff, right? I guess at 15, it probably was all snow at that point. And we're running through the woods over by Huntington Valley. We're running through on the old tra- train tracks and all that stuff. And we're running, and we're going, and we, just, we were just like, like, who else would you be doing this with? Because other people think you're absolutely, because they're not a part of our tribe. Our tribe is like, this is normal. Now you're trying to say it's not normal. That's okay. I'm not like trying to be like necessarily arrogant here, but I can run eight miles now. 
Maybe you can. Because you're a part of a different tribe. But you can't run eight miles at a shot unless at 15 degrees with the snow coming down, you have a buddy that's going to encourage you to go out and run. Right? And so we're doing that together and we're like, man, our tribe does this. Other tribes don't do that. But we're not a part of that tribe. We're part of this tribe. We're part of this tribe. And so this is the principle here. Maybe your tribe is like, I'm tired, I'm not going to come out to prayer. Well, there's another tribe that says, we're coming down to prayer, we're calling down the glory cloud to make a change in Bristol and Philadelphia. Maybe some of your tribe is like, ah, church is two, two and a half hours long, that's a little long, that's okay. Your tribe can go to church for an hour, this tribe is going to go for two hours just because that's what the Lord is doing. Not because two hours is better than one hour, it's just that that's what the Lord is doing right now. Right? I mean, you're crazy. You're giving money to a church. Well, this tribe does that because they believe in the bounty of blessing of the Almighty God. I'm telling you, if you get this principle, it's going to change the way that you see the spirit. You see physical things. You know, my, my, uh, my, 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 at school, there's a bunch of donuts there. And everyone's eating the donuts. But my tribe with Jocko and that, he's like, that donut is poison. So when I see the donut, I'm like, I'm not eating the donut. Now your tribe can eat the donut. That's fine. My tribe, we don't eat donuts. That's not necessarily true because I do have donuts, right? At times. But like when I see the donut, I'm like, well, what would people in my tribe be saying about that donut? Oh, you had one a couple days ago. You don't eat the donut now. Because my tribe doesn't do that. But it's free. I know, but they're going to be upset that you don't take the donut. No, they're not. Is that donut going to make you stronger? No. no it's going to make you weaker. Amen. My tribe doesn't eat that right now. Next week, after an eight, eight or six mile run, all right, I'm going to get a donut. <laughs> after an eight mile run, you can get a whole pizza. Okay? Yeah, this is, this is a principle. You know, I, I mean, I, you know, I, I went to a, uh, it, was, it was probably one of, one of, after my wedding and after the kids being born, it was like one of the most beautiful moments of my life. We had our first daddy-daughter dance. Naomi and I are out there dancing, and it's getting late, and she's having a fun time and all this kind of stuff. And uh, it's getting time to go. I'll be honest, I was kind of almost kind of looking for a way out. But there was a song that came on that was inappropriate. Now, there's not a kid there that knows what's being said, and most of the fathers probably aren't listening, but it was, it was inappropriate. It was sexually inappropriate. And I go to Naomi and said... We don't dance during these songs. Why? God doesn't like these lyrics. It's not good. Our people don't do this. Yeah, but they're doing it. I know they're doing it, but they're not our people. We love those people, but they're not our people. Our people, we don't do things like this. So we're not going to do it. Right? Our tribe doesn't do that. And it's very, very powerful, strong things. Let's open up to uh, Numbers 15. I didn't bring my watch today, so I have no idea what's going on. Well, I just kind of like, like to get a little bit of a, a, a gauge. Cause, well, when you're a high school teacher, that could be uh, as long as you like. 55. 
All right, <clears throat> Numbers 15, I want to talk about this principle. Uh, Numbers 15, uh, verse 30 says this. This is the law concerning presumptuous sins. Sins that you think about. Right, presumption? Yeah, that's what you think about. Uh, verse 30, but the person who does anything presumptuously, whether he is a native-born or a stranger, that one brings reproach on the Lord. He shall be cut off from among the people. All right, so in, in ancient Israel, in the Older Testament, if you do a sin, stranger or foreigner, a stranger, foreigner, or native-born, you're cut off from the tribe. You're cut off from the people. Okay? <clears throat> this, is a, this is a tough one, and, and please like, don't jump to conclusions until I'm, I'm finished this little section, because there is a teaching that's going out there in the church today which is wrong, and I don't want you to connect what I'm saying right here to that teaching. Okay? Where did people go when they, when they died in the Old Testament? It's, a very, it's a very, actually, kind of a difficult development. If we take a look, um, we see that, at least in the oldest parts of the Old Testament, it talks about a place called Sheol. Right? The deep. So we have a concept like heaven is for the good people, hell is for the bad people. Um, that is absolutely 100% true. Okay? That's the part that I want you to make sure you, you get. Uh, in the New Testament revelation, Jesus clarifies what's going on. But in the Older Testament, something weird happens. David says, if I make my, my bed in the, in the depths of Sheol, you will be there with me, your presence. Uh, and very, very interesting, Genesis chapter 37, verse 36, um, Jacob finds out that Joseph, his beloved son, has died. And his response is, there's nothing else I can do but now make my bed in Sheol, in the depths. Okay? It appears, it appears that in the Old Testament that when someone leaves this life, he goes down to Sheol. Okay? And what that is, is like a whole other, like, sermon series to talk about what is Sheol and all that kind of stuff. And I, 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 I wanted to double check it. So I'm like trying to find the most conservative Baptist style like commentaries there are. And they're all saying, yeah, in the Old Testament, good or bad, go to this place called Sheol. With that being said, there's an element of what's known as what we call progressive revelation. By the time Jesus shows up, he undoubtedly, clearly, explicitly talks about hell's fire, the gnashing of teeth, Gehenna, and also heaven. Okay? So I want you to like all kind of repeat with me, kind of. Uh, Dave is not saying that there is not a hell. There absolutely is a hell. Does everyone hear what I'm saying? There absolutely is. Here's a teaching out there, right? Like, you know... A loving God wouldn't create a hell and this, that, and the other thing. It's like a whole other thing. But what my present studies have shown, and not just myself, looking at the commentaries, very conservative ones that would not, you would not think would say this, is that pre-Jesus, that there is essentially like the holding tank. It's Sheol. It's the, the deep, the dark, the, the abyss uh, that is there. I mean, Jesus goes into the underworld, right? He goes down into the deep, and he preaches to the lost there. There's something going on, which is like a whole other teaching, but I want you to grab this because why am I trying to distinguish this? I want to be very clear. Jesus clearly says, the sinner, one who does not repent, hell. Those who repent, son of God, daughters of God, heaven. But it appears that in the Old Testament, this, this, this revelation hasn't come yet to some of the early fathers. I mean, like Jacob is a righteous man. 
Jacob is a righteous man. He would not be going to hell. He's a righteous man. Joseph, his beloved, is a righteous. He would not be going to a place called hell. But there's this place, Sheol, which is a darkness. Okay? And if you have more questions about that, you can ask me. And like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to dig more into it in my studies. because It's a deep concept. But why am I making mention of this now? I'm trying to make this, 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 this distinguishing thing here. Because in ancient Israel, the ultimate punishment for sin is to be what in Hebrew is called kevet, to be cut off. You're cut off from the tribe. You're cut off from the promised land. If you commit sin, you are no longer part of the tribe. You've been, it says here in Numbers, you have been cut off. You're no longer part of the tribe. It's almost like an excommunication. You're like, you're not part of us now. You're out. And many guys, you're kicked out of the land of promise. Now, this is, this is, this is actually pretty clear when you look, take a look at the Cain and Abel story. Cain commits a sin. What happens? He's banished from, from his family. Like, go out now. You're cut off from us. You, you have to go out to the other tribes and people. You know, it was with Adam and Eve, right? They're pushed out of the Garden of Eden. There's this concept that you are cut off. You're cut off from a tribe, and you come off, cut off from the promised land. And I'll be the first to say that, you know, obviously the promised land is a physical nation and geography and landmass known as Israel. No questions asked. But there's also a, pr a principle that the promised land is, is God's divine best for you. It's a place where he wants you to be. And so in this concept of carrot, of being cut off, uh, let, me, let me clarify this. Like, you and I are all part of the sons of Abraham as adopted sons and daughters. Okay? It's awesome. You, you have salvation. You're entering the pearly white gates. It's awesome. But there's still a question that remains. And the question is, well, which tribe are you a part of? We're all sons of Abraham. Father Abraham had many sons. But now the question is, oh, fine, well, which tribe are you a part of in those sons? Like, those tribes had different things going on. Is this okay? Or did I just totally lose you with Sheol? I, I was afraid to even mention Sheol. All right. Kind of confusing? It's a confusing topic. Oh, Lord. Yeah, the purpose of the alliteration of this, this dark abyss, so to confuse you, is, not to confuse you, is that there, there seems to be such a, a heavy punishment, such a heavy punishment for sin in the now, that you would be cut off from a people, you'd be cut off from a tribe, and maybe even ultimately cut off from the land of Israel for your actions. And so that's the important part to, to grab Right? That's how significant this tribal being bound to a people group is. Um, so, the tribes of Israel. There are several different tribes or different tribes that act in different ways. We take a look at Joshua chapter 1, verse 3. It says this, is God, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. 
No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. There are three different types of the tribes. There's going to be one kind of set, if you even want to call it that, that received the full allotment of land eventually. There's two, a, a group of tribes that are going to settle for the quote-unquote good land. And three, there's a, a set of tribes that do not kick out the inhabitants of the land. So these are the types of tribes that we could be a part of. We're all sons of Abraham, but which tribe are you a part of? So the first one, receiving the full allotment of land. There's a promise by, by God to Joshua that you will receive the full promised land. But there's a formula to it. What do you have to do? You've got to be strong. You've got to be courageous. You have to believe that I've given you this land. And finally, you know, we can take a look at a physical land, but think about this. What's your promised land, right? The, the best, where God wants you to be, is your promised land in Him. So be strong. Be courageous. I've given you this land. No enemy, the scripture says. No temptation. No evil. No sin will be able to defeat you. But there's a condition. And the condition is, oh, by the way, you need to meditate on my word. Meditate on my word day and night, and it says you will have success in this. Okay? So it's there for the taking if you want it. But here's the problem. If we take a look, the promised land was originally to be on the western side of the Jordan River. Okay? And then there's a, a full promise in, through the covenant of Abraham that, that the land would stretch even further than just the western side of the Jordan. But in the initial conquest, God says you are to go into the land, into the promised land, cross over the Jordan River, and take over the land. And some interesting things happen here. When they're going into the land, there are three, Manasseh, Gad, and Reuben, who say, ah, I don't want the land on the western side. I'm okay with what's on the eastern side of the Jordan River. Ultimately, God says, okay, if that's what you want, you can have it. Hence, you got the map there. If that's what you want, you can have it. But actually, in Deuteronomy chapter 32, there's a conversation that's going on between God and those three tribes. Those tribes say, we want to stay east. That's Deuteronomy chapter 32, 5 for your notes. Verses 6 to 7, it says that God is angered. And he says, you will discourage the others. Like, if you stay on the eastern side, everyone else is going to want to stay on the eastern side. You're going to discourage your brothers if you do this. So then Gad, Manasseh, and Reuben say, well, you know, it's going to be cool, God, because what we're going to do is we were going to fight for our brothers. We're going to cross over the Jordan River. We're going to fight for them. But when the fighting is done, we're going to cross back over the river and go back to where we want to be in the east. Now, this is so, I, like, I never saw this before. Like, I was like, oh, the children of Israel are going to wander the wilderness because of Moses' disobedience, because of the golden calf, all this kind of stuff. I've never read this before. But in verse 11 in chapter 32, after this conversation, God says, this generation will not settle in the promised land. 
We have to purge this generation to see the promised land because you're not willing to take the land that I've given you and you want to settle for the eastern land. I've never saw that before. It's like, oh, there's another level to the wilderness period. I need an amen or something. All right, so what's the point of understanding least number two? It's this. Not going into the land of promise, what God wants for you. We're we're forced to to live in this wilderness place. What the Lord is saying here is that the wilderness is going to purge those who settle for good. He's going to say, oh, you don't want everything that I have for you? Fine, we're going to purge you in a way. We're We're going to filter you guys out. And the next generation, I'm going to try again. He actually says the only one of your generation will be, uh, will be um, well, Caleb and Joshua, right? Caleb and Joshua are the only ones who will be able to go into land, that whole generation. You guys have to be purged out, filtered out, because you're willing to just settle. You're willing to just, can you hear that? You're willing to settle for something that is good, but not something that I have wanted for you. And because of that, you're not going to be able to get it. And so now your children, I'll try again. That's a very deep thing here. Another principle here is this. He says that he, the, the Gad, Manasseh, and Reuben, they're going to go on to the other side and fight for their brothers. This, this one like wrecked me. And it's this principle. There are believers who will help other people get into the land of promise for them. They'll minister to them, but they will never take care of their own junk so that they can go into their own land of promise. That, that, that's, that's, that's Manasseh, Gad, Reuben. That's like the preachers and the ministers who are so great and doing all this good stuff and then you find out that they've been like in adultery and, and stealing money. and like they're, they're so focused on helping out the brothers receive their promise that they've never looked at their own promise saying like, oh, I'm not doing what the Lord has called me to because they're so busy ministering to others. It's an amazing, amazing concept. So here it is. I believe that there is a large amount of people residing in a tribe that have settled for good. They settled for the good thing. It's good. It's not bad. It's good. But it's been said that the greatest enemy of great is not bad. The greatest enemy of great is good. You're just okay with the good. Now, what I'm saying is like there, there's, there's a calling on this church and there's a calling on the people here to step into the full promise of God. An anointing, a calling, an inheritance. Changing the communities. Reaching out in worship. Touching the heart of God. Why don't you settle for the good thing? Ah, it's coming for church. I'll go away and that's it. And I'll come back next Sunday. That's good. It's not the place of promise though what the Lord has for you. Right? To emphasize this principle... At 211 degrees, water is hot. At 212 degrees, it boils. And with boiling water comes steam. And with steam, you can power train. One degree more exponential results. So here's the thing, man. I feel like there's a church in America that is sitting in 211 degrees. And it's just been brewing, just been sitting there. It's okay being hot. But if you just, just a little bit more, like 211 is good. I can make a good tea out of that. But at 212, man, we can power trains, right? There's this power that is released with just one little degree more. 
And so there's a people, I believe, particularly in the West, that has settled for 211 degrees in their life. You're a Gad, you're a Manasseh, you're a Reuben, you're like, it's good. It's not bad, it's good. Okay, but you have not been called out of darkness for good. You've been called out from darkness for great things, unspeakable things, confounding heaven. Jesus says, you're going to do even greater things than I have because of the empowerment of the Holy Ghost. It's like, man, you know, it's good that uh, you know, the church went from 10 people to 50 people to 100 people. That's a 211 thinking. 212 degree thinking is it's going to be great when we keep pushing forward and see revival break out in Pennsylvania and the East Coast and in India and in the Middle East and in Africa. Just That's, that's 212 thinking. You know what I'm saying? Come on. And I want to clarify, this isn't striving. This isn't like i got to work a little harder, work a little harder, work a little harder. It's not about striving. It's about a position of the heart. This is, Lord, I am not settling for east of the Jordan. It's cool here. The fields are good. But you have given me, you've promised me that there is going to be a better land of flowing of milk and honey. And I set my eyes on that. I'm not going to just settle here. I mean, Gab and Asa Reuben, all they had to do is go... And cross over the Jordan, and they're now in the promised land. It's like, come on! Cross on over! It's time to cross on over. Joshua 17. You see what happens on the third type. The third type of person is the one who does not kick out the inhabitants. Joshua chapter 17, verse 13, And it happened when the children of Israel grew strong that they put the Canaanites to forced labor and did not utterly drive them out. So what happens here is God says, drive them all out. The Hittite, the Jebusite, the Philistine, the Canaanites, drive them out of the land. And there are tribes, particularly one, Dan, who's like, eh, I'm not going to drive them out because it's too hard. It's too hard. I don't want to do it. It's like, come on, Dan. Not our Dan, but the tribe of Dan. Dan is a different Dan. He is from Daniel. My God is Judge, the prophet. And Dana is the female judges. Dana. Dan was called to settle on the west coast right there. If you take a look at Dan, you see the Philistines are right underneath them. That is the promise of Dan. That's what you're supposed to have, Dan. And he's like, ah, I, I, I can't. And so what it says here later on in the scripture, it says that Dan chose to go north and settle in a new land. Essentially, he, he, he more or less like steals some land from Naphtali and Asher, more or less. And he settles up there. And you can actually still see the re- re- remains in Israel. You can see the altar that the tribe of Dan made underneath Baal. So they took the easy way. They chose to make a treaty with the people of the land of the north. Because it says that the people of the north were a more peaceful people. They said, ah, oh, the Philistines are like, 
warlords, right? We don't want to fight them. They have giants. Let's go north. There's a more peaceful people there. And we'll reside with them. And let's just have peace. And we'll just talk. And everything's going to be okay. And it'll be an easier way. And, and everything's going to be fine. But then it says, and then the second generation came. And they worshipped the golden calf. Within one generation, they went to worshiping the golden calf. And what's so amazing about all of this, we have the, uh, Dana come on down. What's so amazing about this is, you know, you, you read the full picture. Revelation chapter 7 talks about the end of days. Now go in full circle. We began with Genesis, uh, I believe, what, 49 we began with? Genesis 49 says, this is what I'm saying about the tribes of Israel in the latter days. Revelation chapter 7 talks about the 12 tribes at the, in the latter days, the 144,000 uh, Jewish remnant that's still on planet Earth. And they list the tribes. Dan is missing. In the end of days, the tribe of Dan is not listed in Revelation, Revelation 7. He's been replaced. He's been replaced by one of the half tribes. Essentially what happens here is Manasseh is pretty dang big. So Manasseh is considered like one of the tribes. And what happens is Ephraim is considered the half tribe. And Ephraim takes the place of Dan in Revelation 7. Why? Dan has been carried cut off. We don't know the descendants of Dan today. We know the descendants of Judah. We know the descendants of Levi. You can tell them by their last names in, in, in Hebrew. Some people are saying that the tribes of Manasseh may have gone down to Israel and the ten lost tribes and all this kind of stuff. And there's some emergence of it. But in Revelation 7, Dan, he, he, he's not there. Why? Because he's been bred into the nations to such an extent that you can't even tell who he is. And he was bred into the nations and his descendants just got morphed into the Gentiles, into the Goyim, into the nations. Because they chose to worship the golden calf. And they chose not to kick out the enemies of God. They chose not to reside in the place of the promise. And what I'm telling you is, people, let us not be a people that would dare even begin to go down a place of being cut off. And I'm not saying you are because you're saved. You're not cut off, man. He's there. But you may, in fact, be cut off from the full promises of God because you settled for good and you haven't kicked out the giants of your own land. In Revelation 7, there is Another beautiful change. In ancient Israel, right, you, you give honor to the firstborn. Jacob calls forth Reuben first because he's the firstborn. He wants to bless the firstborn. The firstborn male in, in the Mosaic Code is to, be, is to be offered up into the temple, right, and cleansed before the Lord and, 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 and given unto him. Revelation chapter 7, Reuben is no longer first. You know who's first? Judah. Why is Judah first? Because it takes a Judah. It takes a descendant of Judah, David, a worshiper, to rid 
the promised land of the Philistines, the Jebusites, the Hittites, and all the Canaanites. A boy with a slingshot. A boy with the anointing of praise in his body and in his spirit. Who are you? You uncircumcised Philistine. You come at me, the things of the world, but I come out with you, with the God of heaven's armies. Adonai, Yahweh, Sebaot. A boy. Dan can't handle it. He leaves a boy who's been seasoned and anointed in the fire of praise and the fire of prayer. He says, I'm a Judah. I'm one who praises God. I'm one who believes in the promises of God. From Judah comes David. From David and from the loins of David comes Yeshua, Jesus. Which tribe are you a part of? Dan? Manasseh? Gad? Reuben? Or a Levi? A priest? Or a Judah? A worshiper? Or a more powerful? The commingling of the two because of the death and resurrection of the high priest in the order of Melchizedek. I want to tell you this, your decision to rid the land of the enemy allows your children to live in the land of promise. If you do not kick out the enemy and the giants of your land, your kids will not be able to reside in the land of promise. You will be a Dan and they will just be absorbed. And they will worship the golden calf. And I want to tell you this, don't just spiritualize this sermon because everyone wants to spiritualize things, which is cool. But this is real. It's going to be real with you, man. And I'm sorry because I... Sometimes I, some people, I get, make people upset sometimes. The facts hurt. The facts hurt. We know this undoubtedly. There's an impact on the next generation. If you are poor, your child is much more likely to be poor. If you make unhealthy eating decisions, your child is much more likely to make unhealthy eating decisions. If you are addicted to a substance, your child is much more likely to be addicted to a substance. If you walk in anger, your child is much more likely to act in anger. If you are not disciplined in your life, your child will be much more likely to not be disciplined in their life. If you don't do it for you, you have to do it for your children and your spiritual children. And you have to say, my tribe does not think like this. My tribe thinks differently. It thinks higher. I don't put this in my mouth because my tribe thinks higher. I do not inject this into my veins. I do not breathe this into my lungs because my tribe thinks higher. I do not walk out in anger and belittling people and poking fun in people because my tribe thinks higher. Which tribe are you a part of now? We began with that. What type of people do you connect with that you define yourself by? But now, what tribe do you want to be a part of? You can make a decision. You can make a change. You can say, I, I've been defined by this tribe, but I don't want to be that anymore. I want to be a part of the other tribe. And so in closing up here is this. How, how do we do all this? I just want to make this very practical. You know, people want to make this so spiritual. Like, 
the spiritual promise land, which is true, and you know, being healthy and not being addicted to things, not being angry and not being all absorbed by money. There are spiritual things with it. But they're also very physical. And so the solution of this would be this. Surround yourself with the right tribe. That's going to mean that you need to now be like, all right, I'm a dude that doesn't hang out with many people. Go hang out with people. You have to go out and find the people and hang out with that tribe. Learn from them. Learn from them. I learned from Alan. He's, what, 50, 51 years old? How old are you now, man? 50? 51. He's 51. I'm 38. We do uh, jiu-jitsu together. He beats me up. I'm 38. He's 51. That shouldn't happen. How are you 50, 51, and you're that strong? I thought you're supposed to be, like, over the hill now. His over the hill is better than my up the hill. Dude, how do you do that? Oh, you work out? What kind of workout do you do? What do you eat? What? Learn from them. Ask the questions. It's like, man, if you want to, you know, you, got, you, you do that. So you surround yourself with the right tribe. You learn from them. And then this is the one that the people just, you know, this is the part. You got to do the painful thing. You have to go from 211 to 212. And to go from 211 to 212, you got to turn up the temperature. You got to turn up the heat. It has to boil. Woo! How else can you boil water, you scientists out there? Amen. Dude, it just came to me. You know? Or another way to boil the water and make it easier is to climb an elevation. Water boils not at 212 in the Colorado Rockies. It, it boils at a lower number. Right? Is that, is that right or is it the opposite principle? I'm pretty sure that's right. As you climb an elevation, you don't need as much to boil. Come on, climb the elevation of the, the Mount Zion of worship and praise. And it's going to be so much easier to cause the boiling, the steam to happen in your life. So you either turn up the heat in the valley, which is awesome, or just climb up the hill of the Lord in praise and worship. Lord, my elevation is higher now. The water of life is going to boil. I'm going to be changed. Come on! Woo! Jesus. The fight, the fire is won by the word and his worship and the worship of him. So I'm going to do something here. Hope you guys are cool with that. I'm going to call a couple people up that represent a certain tribe. And I want them to be up here. And if you need prayer and you're like, that's a tribe that I need to run with. You're going to come down, they're going to lay hands on you, and they're going to give you what they have in the spirit. Josh Ronaldo, can you come up? Josh Ronaldo represents a tribe of people who suffered major trauma as a teenager. His father committed suicide, as he shared last time he spoke. Trauma. No father figure. He could have chose the way of the world. He could have chose bad things. But he chose to set his eyes on God. On the eternal Father. And he came out of that mess. That's a tribe you want to run with if you didn't have a dad and you didn't have a good dad. Eileen, are you available? Eileen, I'm not going to tell you how old Eileen is because I don't want her to be mad at me. Can I say it? She's 70. 
Come on. Who wants to be 70 and be like Eileen? Eileen, um, one of the reasons why I want her up here is that uh, from the young age of five or seven, whatever it may be, she made some uh, pretty serious decisions on, on diet and eating. Well, she chose, uh, she chose uh, vegetarianism at that young age, right? Not that you have to come up here for vegetarianism because God, God forbid. Greatest verse of the Bible, Noah, rise up and slaughter and eat. But she walked through some health things. She chose a path of, of cleanliness and clean living. And what she puts in her mouth what she consumes, what she ingests inside of her body. You want to be a part of that tribe? Come on. Receive some prayer. Alan, you mind coming down? Alan is, uh, and, um, you know, this is everything that Alan has, has said to many of us. Alan represents a tribe that, that, that lost his job. He could have allowed his loss of job to define him. But he's like, nah, I'm not doing that. I'm going to use it as an opportunity. I'm going to use it as an opportunity. I've always wanted to start a business. I'm going to work on that. I'm going to work on my health. I'm going to wake up early. I'm going to work out. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to get that in order. I'm going to work on this business. I'm going to get things going. The Lord is going to show me. He's going to work it out. He did not allow his lack of income to define him as a man. Come on. That's someone you got to go to. Jamie, if you guys have time, I don't know if you guys are rolling out or not, but you come up for some prayer. Jamie and his family just represents... Of people who are just like, I am going after it. Gives up his job. A wife, three, four kids, four kids, three kids working in ministry and it's like, I have a heart to adopt a kid. Who does that? That tribe. When you get into personal, I imagine like being in ministry, like you have donorship. I mean, how much money is coming in this month, next month? I mean, it's a life of faith in many regards. It's a tribe that says, I'm not making money an idol. I'm laying it down at the foot of the cross. You got money problems? There you are. So, Alan. Lost his job, is not defined by money. Eileen, making a decision, a tribe that represents I'm a people, I'm part of a people that view my body as a temple. I want to make clean, living decisions. Jamie, I'm not going to allow the things of this world to keep me from walking and running in the purposes of what God has for my life. Josh, one who receives horrendous trauma as a child. I'm not going to let that identify me. Because I'm not a part of that tribe. Amen? So, as Dana or the team is, is, is worshiping, I just want to invite you to come on down and just receive prayer. If some of these things hit you, and let's be real, let's just be real. There's a good chance that one of these things connected with you. So Lord, we thank you. 
for your presence. And we thank you, Romans 8, that we no longer have to be orphans, but we cry out with the spirit of adoption, saying, Abba, Daddy. And we thank you for that. We do not want to negate that. We don't want to bring that down low. We want to raise that up high. But Lord, we're saying now, now is the time. Now is the time that we want to be identified with the right tribe. We're identified with a, with a people, the sons of Abraham. But Lord, we want to go deeper. We want to climb the, the hill of the Lord. And we want to come over the river Jordan. We want to be a people that say, it's not, I'm not settling for good anymore in my life. I'm settling for greatness. To live, to reside in the land of promise. And so Lord, we want to be a part of the right tribe. The tribe, the tribe that kicks out the inhabitants. Kicks out the giants. A tribe that, that wants the promised land, will fight for the promised land, will receive the goodness and the great gifts from the promised land. So release us. Release us from the tribes that have held us back. Release us from the tribes that have held us back. Right now in Jesus' name. Release us from the, the way of thinking of the bad tribes and the old tribes. Allow us to join a new tribe. It says we think about things differently. We do things differently. Jesus' name. Have a wonderful week. Feel free to be and resign in the atmosphere of the presence of God. We have some refreshments downstairs and praise the Lord. We have healthy ones too. Because that's what our tribe does. Come out to prayer on Wednesday if you want to get all rolled in the Holy Ghost and praying for the presence of God in our community. Have a wonderful week. If we don't see you Wednesday or downstairs, we hope that we can see you next week. Be blessed.